0: So good to see all of y'all here tonight, y'all uh, get fired up there with that singing, eh? Man, praise the Lord, that was, uh, that was awesome, thank you so much, sis, for, for leading us. And uh, I want to just say thank you to Pastor Joe in Oakland Heights for your hospitality to all of us, man, you guys are just awesome, uh, yeah, praise the Lord. And uh, I, I know that it, uh, most of y'all are working, and so you're not able to be here in the mornings, but man, we just had a tremendous day today. Uh, Pastor Grace and Pastor Miles uh, in this session, and heard great things about uh, what was going on in the other session where I wasn't uh, this morning. But uh, yeah, if you can make it out in the mornings, there's some, some incredible stuff that's being spit uh, in the mornings, so... <laughs> Uh, c- come out for that, and uh, I-, I hope that you have your notes tonight. Uh, in-, in my estimation, this is uh, uh, this has kind of been a, a revolutionary uh, journey that the Lord has taken me in through His Word, and uh, I'm anxious to share that with you tonight. Now, last night, just uh, to, and this is where we'll begin in our notes. Let's talk just a little bit about where we've been thus far. Uh, last night, we looked at what I was calling the the biblical illustration of discipleship. And, and the question that we were asking ourselves last night is, what if we don't make disciples? And, and the theme of the message is the, the Old Testament picture that... Uh, that gives us this biblical insight into what it is when we're talking about discipleship and why we must make disciples. Now, tonight is another way for us to talk about the fact that we must carry out this ministry. Tonight, what I'm calling it is the biblical mandate. Of discipleship a mandate and I don't want to insult your intelligence but a mandate is an authoritative order or command it's weird to me y'all that the last thing that Jesus told us to do to make disciples is the one thing that we don't do I, I thought that might get a better response than that <laughs> but it is, it is the most jacked-up thing in the world. And, and we can go through, you know, all the churches and all of the programs, you know. But ask about where discipleship is. And again, it is the one thing that he left us here to do. And, and, and again, that's why... I'm calling this the biblical mandate. And the question that we'll seek to answer tonight is, why are we to make disciples? I think God might have had something in mind when he said that. And the theme that we're going to be talking about tonight is the big picture that motivates discipleship. I, I, you know, uh, I'm going to... Uh, kind of an excitable kind of a guy. Um, I don't know if you've noticed that or not. Uh, but I, I do get pretty passionate about God and his book. Uh, and, and and this is not a rah-rah session when I talk about the big picture that motivates discipleship. You know, I, I don't plan to do handsprings up here and, you know, all of that kind of stuff to get us just psyched up about it. I'm just telling you, y'all, when you see... What God has done in this book, when it comes to this thing of discipleship, you know what? If it doesn't motivate you, then, I I don't know. We we, we might ought to talk. (laughs) Okay, so tonight we'll be talking about the biblical mandate of discipleship. I I, I think this is a group of people that uh, is pretty dialed in when it comes to the Bible. And I think that what we've probably have learned together is that the God of the Bible, the way that He has actually laid out His Word, He is anything but random. (laughs) You know, He just doesn't, you know, haul off and just do stuff indiscriminately. God is always very purposeful. He's always very planned. He's always very ordered. He's always very structured. And he is always very strategic. Now, that's not to say that we can, we got him all figured out, so we can put him in our little theological box. There you go, God. We got you. Okay, I'm not talking about that. But I do think it is quite interesting that as we look in the Word of God at his plan, that plan is unbelievably... Is is mood lighting coming, or am I about to pass out? (laughs) I'm sliding. Did something happen with the lights just now? Okay. Okay. I thought I'm having a heart attack or something, man. (laughs) Okay. But as we look at the plan of God, God is always very consistent. And his plan is unbelievably consistent. His plan, as we see it unfold in the word of God, the plan, y'all, and, and again, it took me a lot of years to come to this. You may have gotten this the first year you got saved. I don't know. It took me a lot of years to see that God is always working the same plan. He's always seeking to accomplish the same thing. The only thing that ever changes is how that plan is actually going to be accomplished and who he's going to use to accomplish it. My brothers and sisters, I, I hope that we can understand tonight that we are alive and breathing in the 21st century as a part of history, his story. We have physical life and we have spiritual life because we are designed by God to fit into a plan that he has been working since the beginning of time and actually even before time and and tonight what I want to do is I want to talk to you about that plan this is that big picture item that once you see this again I, I, I believe it shows us the mandate of discipleship and the plan of God begins to unfold biblically with Lucifer and a race of beings that are called the sons of God. And I'd like to invite you to turn, if you would, to Ezekiel chapter 28. This is somewhat of a familiar passage to us. Ezekiel chapter 28. And I want you to notice in verse 12, and you know, if you struggle to find things in the Old Testament, it is up on the, the screen. You can follow along there. But you'll notice that God says... To Ezekiel, son of man, take up a lamentation, watch this now, upon the king of Tyrus. Now, when we go on and we, we see the other things that he says in this verse, it becomes very obvious that what is happening here is God is actually talking past the king of Tyrus to the power that was working behind him. Okay. Did you all hear that? <laughs> he is talking past that earthly king to the power that was working behind him. You say, that's, that's weird. Okay, do you remember in, in Matthew chapter 20, uh, where was it, uh, Matthew 16, do you remember what what happens in verses 21 to 23 of Matthew 16 is the Lord is talking to the disciples about the fact that he's going to have to die, and Peter says, hey, we ain't having that, and what it says is he rebukes the Lord. (laughs) Say what? He rebukes him, and do you remember what Jesus said? He looked at him and he said, get thee behind me, Peter. Is that what he said? What did he do? He talked to the power that was working behind him at that moment. And if you can understand that, then you can understand what's actually happening here in Ezekiel chapter 28 and verse 12. And I want you to notice as we begin to look at... This power, and of course, what we're going to see is that this power that was working behind him, at one point, he was referred to as Lucifer. And the first thing that I want you to notice in your notes is that Lucifer was a very special creation. In Ezekiel 28 and verse 12, now we'll read all of the verse. Son of man, take up a lamentation upon the king of Tyrus, and say unto him, Thus saith the Lord God. Thou sealest up the sum, full of wisdom, perfect in beauty. And what I want you to notice, first of all, is that what he shows us here is that Lucifer was given the highest power. It says, first of all, that he sealed up the sum. The way we would probably say that today is that he was the total package. He was the epitome of completeness. Thou sealest up the sum. Next, it says that he was full of wisdom. In other words, he was the embodiment of wisdom. Now, obviously, God possesses all wisdom, and if anyone will get it, James chapter 1 and verse 5 says that we're going to get it from him. But listen, when God created this very special creation, listen, God didn't hold anything back. Lucifer was full of wisdom. Not only that, next, he was perfect in beauty. Listen, y'all. He wasn't just beautiful. He was more than that. He was beauty perfected. The perfection of beauty. And and I want you to just listen to the terms that he's using here in verse 12. The sum, full, perfect. Don't discount those words, man. Lucifer was something else. So first of all, Lucifer was given the highest power, but that's not all. Notice next that Lucifer was given the highest position. And the words in verse 12 that we just looked at, some full, perfect, those are awesome words, but I want you to check out the words he uses In verse 14, it says that he was the anointed cherub. Verse 14, God says, Thou art the anointed cherub that covereth, and I have set thee so. Now, something interesting, and hang on to this now, something interesting about this word uh, anointed. The word anointed... Is translated Christ in the New Testament it's the word for Messiah and it's important to see now, now again don't, don't don't draw any conclusions as I'm saying this because I'm gonna clarify okay but Lucifer at this point is a Christ he's not the Christ Obviously, he's not the Lord Jesus Christ, and we know that for a number of reasons. Number one, he's not eternal. He is a created being, but the thing that we've got to keep in our minds is that he has been around for a long, long time. He's not eternal, but he's been around for a long, long time. Number two, he's not omniscient. He doesn't know everything, but I do think that we've got to recognize that he was very smart. Number three, he's not omnipotent. He doesn't possess all power, but do recognize he is extremely powerful. And then next, he's not omnipresent. He can't be everywhere at the same time. Sometimes it seems like he is. Because he's unbelievably fast, and he's got a lot of helpers, a whole network of them, but, but he's not omnipresent. He, he can't be tempting you in your house while he's tempting me in my house. He's not omnipresent. So, n- no, he's not the Holy Anointed one of God, the Lord Jesus Christ. But he is a Christ. And that's important to nail down because in the very near future, this cherub is going to appear as a Christ, isn't he? We refer to him as the... You guys are tracking. The Antichrist. But what's also interesting is usually when the Bible talks about a cherub, what we see is that there are four of them. They are the four living creatures in the book of Ezekiel. They're the four beasts that are on the four corners of the throne in the book of Revelation. But but Ezekiel 28 and verse 14 lets us know that at one time there was a fifth cherub who covered the throne. But not only was Lucifer given the highest power, not only was he given the highest position, but Lucifer was given the highest purpose. Because do you know what the name Lucifer actually means? It means light bearer. In your notes, he was the light bearer created of beautiful jewels to shine forth the glory of God. Would you look at verse 13? God says, every precious stone was thy covering. And he lists them, the sardis, topaz, and the diamond, the bear on the onyx, and the jasper, the sapphire, the emerald, and the carbuncle, and gold. Okay, so if you're going to really comprehend what God is trying to get us to see here, is that every time that the God of the Bible reveals himself for who he really is, he always shows up the same exact way. He always shows up as blazing, blinding, what? Light. You'll remember in Acts chapter 9, Saul is on the road to Damascus, and the risen, glorified Lord Jesus Christ shows up and BAM! just wanted to wake a few of y'all up. Man, he is hit with this blazing, literally blinding light. You'll remember in Matthew chapter 17, on the Mount of Transfiguration, do you remember what happened? He takes Peter, James, and John up to a high mountain, and he, his figure is transformed. The transfiguration. And you know what happened to his figure? He, he has always been the blazing, blinding light, the Shekinah glory of God. But he came into this earth, and that was veiled in a body of flesh. And on, in, on that mountain in Matthew chapter 17, what he does is he rolls back that flesh to reveal that he is the light The glory of God at the second coming of Christ. Malachi chapter 4 verses 1 and 2 says that he is going to arise on this planet as the son of righteousness. Second Thessalonians chapter 1 and verse 8. He's coming as flaming fire. Uh, Okay, I think you get the point. We could have stopped three illustrations ago. Thank you. But I want you to see, he always shows up as blazing, blinding light. And Lucifer was the light bearer. And what God did is he made him, as it says here in verse 13, of all of these incredible jewels. Can you imagine this creature? And can you imagine the light of God passing through as he radiates and he reflects and he refracts the light of God into every color of the rainbow and probably even out of our spectrum in every dimension of the universe. Can you see that, y'all? My personal opinion is this is why we are so enamored with fireworks and it's why at the rock concerts the, the lighting <laughs> it's just incredible there's something that is just unbelievably appealing about it oh, oh, oh. I'm telling you y'all you go back and you see that this was an incredible Creation of God. The light bearer created a beautiful jewels to shine forth the glory of God. But not only did he have the highest power, the highest position, and the highest purpose, but Lucifer was given the highest privilege. He was the worship leader created of musical instruments, of praise to apparently be used to lead the angelic host to praise God and I want you to look at verse 13 in this same verse after it's talked about the fact that his very makeup was these jewels God lets us know something else about his makeup verse 13 says the workmanship of of the tabrets and of thy pipes was prepared in thee in the day that thou wast created. I I think you guys probably can imagine in your mind a a French horn and the pipes that just wrap throughout that whole kind of thing. This is the idea of of what he's talking about here. It's interesting that in Job chapter 38... What's happening in in this chapter is this is the the time where where Job has been, you know, uh, obviously afflicted. He's in great tribulation, and his friends have come to minister to him, and they've absolutely worn him out. And he gets a little testy after all of that with God, and he begins to question him. And so what God does is he rattles off about 70 questions in a row. Just kind of say, all right, boy, let me put you in your place. But, but in, in that passage, what, what God says to Job in Job 38 and verse 4 is, Where wast thou when I laid the foundations of the earth? If you know so much, bro, where were you when I created the earth? Declare, if thou hast understanding. Come on, bring it. Watch verse 7 in that context. When the morning stars... What did they do, y'all? Sang together. And all the sons of God shouted for joy. Okay. And so what we've got here is these morning stars, the sons of God, that when they see this incredible work that God did in creating the earth they're there and they are singing and we have this incredible creation lucifer who is not only made up of these jewels but he's made of musical instruments and it would certainly appear that as the sons of god are singing he is the one that is playing the music that they're using to praise god and to love god and to glorify god Now, now what's real interesting about all of that is where Lucifer was when he carried out that ministry. You know where he was, y'all? He was in Eden. Would you look at the the first part of verse 13? I left that off so that we didn't get distracted. But, But dial it in right here. At the time when he was Lucifer, before his fall, when he was made of the instruments, when he was made of the beautiful jewels, God says, thou hast been in Eden, the garden of God, and every precious stone was your covering, and the workmanship of your tabrets and and all of the rest. Just file that. And, And so this this very special creation has a, a very special commission, and that's number two. And his commission, his purpose, what God intended for him, is to reflect the glory of God throughout the universe and to lead beings called the sons of God to glorify, love, And worship God. And again, man, you just, I don't know how your imagination works. I don't know what's in your mind's eye as the scripture paints this incredible picture for us. But it's it's mind-blowing. And then number three, I want you to notice Satan's counter. Okay, now he's not Satan yet, but all that's about to change as we look at, first of all, Lucifer. Lucifer's agenda. Because there came a time when Lucifer had his own agenda. And that agenda was to exalt, not our God, but to exalt himself. Ezekiel 28, the same passage down in verse 17, lets us know what happened to Lucifer. He says, thine heart was lifted up. Because of thy beauty. And do you know what this is saying? There came a day when Lucifer realized what a special creation he actually was. And he said to himself, this is in his heart, it says, Hey, self, have you ever noticed that as you're leading? all of God's creation, to worship him, that there's nobody quite like you. I am the most special of God's creation. And I have noticed that while I'm leading the sons of God to worship him, all eyes are on me. And something rose up. In his heart, he wanted the glory that was and is reserved for the God of the Bible alone. And that was his agenda. His heart led him to exalt himself and then next watch his attack. And his attack was the infamous five wills that are found in Isaiah chapter 14 verses 13 and 14 where it tells us, what actually was in Lucifer's heart, what he actually said. He says, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. And notice that he has a throne. And that throne is in Eden, I will sit also upon the Mount of the congregation in the sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds and watch this man, I will be like the most high. And we would all understand that God judged Lucifer and the implications. And the ramifications of that upon creation were absolutely monumental. And notice next, his aftermath. The result of all of this. First of all, Lucifer lost his position as the anointed cherub, though he still possesses more power than any created being. Do you understand that? No, he doesn't have that position anymore. But buddy, he, he is unbelievably powerful, and, and that's why in Jude verse nine, when, when Michael is in this whole contention with him, he said, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, "The the Lord rebuked thee," which just cracks me up. All these charismatic guys all over the stage telling Satan where they go and all this kind of craziness. I'm like, dude, are you bigger than Michael the archangel? He wouldn't do that. He he lost his position, but he still possesses more power than any created being. Then next, Lucifer lost his throne on the earth. Though he is still the God of this what? The God of this world. And then notice next that Lucifer lost his name. And biblically, he is no longer referred to as the light bearer, though he still transforms himself as an angel of what? As an angel of light. And from this point in the, in the Bible, y'all, as Revelation chapter 12 and verse 9 it says he is referred to as that old serpent called the devil and Satan. The word devil means accuser. The word Satan means adversary. And that's how the plan of God in the Bible begins. It's a mess by the time this part of it is over. But let me tell you something, y'all. God still has a plan, and that plan is going to be through a man named Adam, and watch this little nugget, the son of God. That's interesting, isn't it? We'll see that in just a second, and I want you to notice that as the plan continues through Adam, that Adam was a very special creation. And the reason he was such a special creation is, first of all, he was created in the likeness of God. You remember what what God said in Genesis chapter 1 and verse 26? Let us make man in our image, here it comes now, after our likeness. Listen, we just talked about Lucifer and From a biblical standpoint, we all have to look at him and stand in awe of the special creation that he was. But, listen, y'all, he was not created in the likeness of God. Do you remember that fifth, I will? I will be like the Most High. In Genesis chapter 2 and verse 7, it says... And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. And what I want you to see is that God reached down into the dust of the ground in Eden. Okay, and, 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 and I'll give you, this part is, is speculation, Okay. But if you're God, and this whole thing with Lucifer and having a throne, where was it? In Eden. And he exalts himself from this place. I will be like the most of Okay, and bam! That plan gets obliterated. And now you're God, and you're going to continue the plan from Eden. Where are you going to go? You know what I would do? If I were God, I would go to that same exact place where Lucifer's throne was and say, watch this. <laughs> Bam. God yeah, you don't have to you don't have to agree with that. You agree with everything else, okay, because that was Bible. <laughs> That's just me just hoping that God was giving Satan a facial right there, and I think that he was. And, and, and what he does is he gives this man his likeness. He, 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 he makes this man like him. What, what is God like? Well, I think the way that we typically describe him is that he is three, and yet he's... 1. In First Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 23 it says in the very God of peace sanctify you holy and I pray God your whole here comes spirit and soul and body. And again this is like our God and Adam this very special creation created out of the dust somewhere in Eden is given the likeness God and yet not only was he given his likeness but notice next he was created in the image of God and and here's a little here's a little tidbit for you That, that man if we could just get this filed into our head I think maybe some things would start coming together for us in the Word of God biblically this is the note in your sheets Biblically, those who possess the image of God have a very special title. You know what that title is? Son of God. Listen, to be a son of God, you must possess the image of God. In Luke chapter 3, okay, and and this is the the place in the, the New Testament where it's giving the genealogy of the Lord Jesus Christ. And, and it's taking it back to Adam. And, and it says, which was the son of Enos, which was the son of Seth, which was the son of Adam, which was the, the son of God. Hmm. And he's referred to as the son of God because God created him to possess the image of God. That's why in Colossians chapter 1 and verse 15, when it refers to our Lord Jesus Christ, it says, Christ, who is the image of God. Hebrews chapter 1 and verse, thir- or verse 3, Christ, the express image of his person. 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 4, Christ, who is the image of God. Now, now listen, Lucifer was an unbelievably special creation of God, but he was not created in God's likeness, and he did not possess God's image. And then something else about this man. He is in fellowship with God. Wow. God took him out of that dust, referred to him as his son, and enjoyed an intimate, personal, love, relationship with Him. In Genesis chapter 3 and, and verse 8, it, it, it talks about the, how that the voice of God would come in the cool of the day to walk with His creation in the garden. Let me ask you something, y'all. You ever hear a voice walk? You ever see a voice walk? Voices don't walk unless they're a person. Can I ask you, who is the voice of God? Genesis 1, or John 1, 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The voice of God is the Lord Jesus Christ. And what we've got in Genesis chapter 3 in the cool of the day is the Lord Jesus Christ an Old Testament appearance coming down, the creator of all. He created all things, man, and he created them in fellowship with him. Man, listen, y'all. Can you imagine the fellowship that they enjoyed? Uh, Because, listen, at this point, they have no recollection of sin. I mean, they've never had a lustful thought. They've never spoken an unkind word. They are in intimate fellowship with the God of the universe. As I go back in my mind's eye and I look at that, I think to myself, oh my goodness, man, I would just love to have climbed up in a tree and just as they're walking by, I, I just love to hear what unadulterated, beautiful, intimate fellowship with God sounds like. Man, I'm a, I'm a mess, y'all. You know? And I try to fellowship with God, but man, what they must have, have, have enjoyed in, in, in that. And, and then, in, in, next Not only is he a very special creation, but Adam received a very special commission. And I want you to look at the privilege that he has, and along with that privilege, the great responsibility that he has. Genesis chapter 1 and verse 28 after God had created him, what he says is, buddy, I want you to be fruitful. And I want you to multiply and I want you to fill the earth. Is that what it says? Do you know the King James translators, most of the time, translated that word fill? But for some strange reason, <laughs> the word is translated replenish. You know, if, if I bought my, my wife a, a, a new refrigerator, <laughs> it's our anniversary. Honey, I bought you a refrigerator. <laughs> Can I wear it on my finger? <laughs> and, and I say to her, okay, and, and here's a couple hundred bucks. Why don't you go replenish it? You, you know what she's going to say to me? Oh, I thought this was new. What do you mean replenish? You mean fill you tracking with me be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth King Lucifer reigned from a throne in Eden but he didn't have this ability God gave this new King King Adam the first do you understand what he did he gave him the privilege of all privileges It was to populate the kingdom of God himself. Be fruitful, buddy, and multiply and replenish this thing. But he's got a problem. And you know what the problem is, y'all? He's alone. (laughs) He's alone. And God said, "It is not good that the man should be alone." And yes, I understand all of the marital reasons that they, you know, all of that kind of stuff. And I preach those things at marriage conferences. Yeah, you know, it's not good for man to be alone. But don't miss the fact that the key reason that it's not good for the man to be alone is because he cannot replenish this earth alone. He didn't have everything that was necessary in order for that to happen. You know what he needed? He needs a bride. Let's see. Biblically, what could we call her? A a help-meet. Not help-mate. Help-meet. You know why she's given to him? To help him meet the demands of the mission. Because he can't do it alone. And in verses 21 to 23 in Genesis chapter 2, God makes this helper. Now, Adam has already named all of the animals and all of that. Now he gets to attach a name for his bride. Because you know what she is? She is a man. She was taken from the man. She's a man with a womb. And you know why she has a womb? So they can replenish the earth. And God's got a plan. Notice his commission, okay? Through the intimacy of his relationship with his bride. He, is to take, he was to take his physical seed. And I'm, you know, this is a mixed audience, and there's young people around, so I'm trying to be very discriminate. <laughs> Through the intimacy of his relationship with his bride, he was to take his physical seed and reproduce. What, y'all? Sons of God to populate the whole earth with beings who would glorify. Love and worship God. And do you see it, y'all? God is working his plan. There was a time when this earth was filled with a race of beings called the sons of God. And they worshiped him. And they glorified him. And they praised him. And they honored him. And they got destroyed. And God says, watch this. Gives him a commission, gives him a bride so that they can populate this planet with sons of God who will love him and worship him and glorify him. And listen, y'all, once you see that, man, it makes all the sense in the world why in Genesis chapter 3, that old serpent called the devil and Satan shows up. Do you understand why he's there? He's there to counter God's plan. And that's our next point in the outline. And once again, he has a very specific agenda. And his agenda is this, to cause Adam to lose the image of God. And he slithers trying to find a way to cause him to lose the image Next, his agenda is to destroy Adam's fellowship with God. You remember a few minutes ago I was talking about, man, wouldn't it be awesome to have just climbed up into a tree and listen as they fellowship with God. Do you understand Lucifer, well, Satan did. He wrapped himself around a tree, and day after day after day for however long he has to listen very special creation and his bride as they fellowship with the god that he used to lead people to worship and glorify he wants to find a way to destroy that fellowship and and then next he wants to keep adam from fulfilling his mission or his co-mission i I, I like co-mission because he couldn't do it alone He needed a bride. But how is he going to do that? Okay, notice next his attack. And his attack, first of all, is to question the word of God. We've got a lot of young people in in this room, and I see it over in this section right in here. And, man, we're glad that you guys are here. There's young people throughout. There's a lot of old people here, too. And we need to understand the spirit of our day, and that is nobody believes they've got a book that's written by God. Uh, We all say it, but we question, and we call it a reliable translation. When (laughs) all that is is Satan's way to get us to question the word of God because once we begin to question the word of God we are tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine we don't know what to believe and and it's interesting I'm not the first to say it or see it but the first recorded words of Satan in the Bible Genesis chapter 3 and and verse 1 he says again the first recorded words of Satan Yea, hath God said, and notice the first recorded words of Satan come in the form of a question, and the question has to do with what God... Question the word of God. Secondly, he, he, his attack is to appeal to the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. 1 John chapter 2 and verse 16, as we all know, those are the three things that comprise the world in Genesis chapter 3 and verse 6. It says, and when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, there's the lust of the flesh, and that it was pleasant to the eyes, the lust of the eyes, and a tree to be desired to make one wise, the pride of life, she took of the fruit thereof, and what's going to happen to them when they eat this fruit, y'all? They're going to die. And did eat... And gave also unto her wimpy husband. Oh, I'm sorry. (laughs) Retract that. And gave also unto her husband with her, and he did eat. And oh my goodness, y'all. When you understand what has happened prior to this between God and Satan and what God was wanting to do through this man, and you see him eating of that It just makes you want to pinch his head off, doesn't it? I mean, come on, dude. Are you kidding me right now? How in the world could you squander a privilege like that to populate this planet with a race of beings called sons of God? What are you thinking? Okay, I'm back. And and, and then notice his aftermath. Adam dies spiritually. He loses the image of God. That death passes on to every person, according to Romans chapter 5 and verse 12, passes on to every person who is born into this world having an earthly father. He dies spiritually. He loses the image of God. Adam's fellowship with God is broken, and that's why in Genesis chapter 3, verses 8 and 9, he's, he's hiding, trying to cover himself. And, and then notice next, Adam can populate the earth with sons, with sons that are in his own image. In Genesis chapter 5, Verses 1 through 3, this is the book of the generations of Adam, and the day that God created man in the likeness of God made he him. Male and female created he them and blessed them and called their name Adam in the day that they were created. And Adam lived in 130 years, and some of the saddest words in the Bible, and begat a son in his own likeness. Remember, he... he the likeness was he had a body, and inside that body a soul, and inside that soul a spirit that was very much alive. But what Adam was like after eating the fruit is a body, obviously, and a soul that was inside that body, but a spirit in him that was dead. And so when this child was born into this world, he was born... Spiritually dead. He had Adam's likeness. And notice this next part. And after his image. And it was a fallen one. And and that's why when the New Testament comes along, talking about the Lord Jesus Christ, it says that he came to seek and to save that. Which was lost, because what was lost was the image of God, and we want to correct the Bible. I got to get back. (laughs) And and so, uh, listen. At this point in history, we've identified Son of God on the earth in terms of a human being who is. A son of God. Until one day. A little baby was born in Bethlehem. And he was born of a virgin. He had no earthly father. He was conceived of the Holy Ghost. He was the word. The eternal word. Made flesh. God in a human body. He is Jesus Christ and you know what first Corinthians chapter 15 calls him the second Adam what's that terminology all about he's the only one since Adam who possessed the man you guys are good the only one who has possessed the image of God And that's the next part of the plan. The second Adam and the sons of God. Listen, when that little baby is born, do you understand what's happening? God's working his plan. It started with Lucifer and the sons of God, and it continued with Adam, the son of God. And now it's going to happen, (sighs) y'all. Because now the second Adam is here. And what what I told you from the beginning is God has always had a plan. The plan has always been the same. The only thing that ever changes is how he's going to accomplish it and who he's going to use to accomplish that plan. Because do you know what the second Adam is here to do? To make a very special creation. Because do you know what John chapter 1 and verse 12 says? But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God. I I know it, man. I, I know it. We are a bunch of idiots because we're the only ones that hold a version of the Bible that translates that sons of god is, is that weird y'all do you understand what gets lost through one little word it's not children of god man that loses the entire plan of god through the centuries uh-huh. to them gave He power to become the sons of god you understand this y'all we are now, the sons, we are new creatures in Christ. Therefore if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature, old things are passed away. behold, all things are become new. We are the special creation of God now. And when you see that man, all kinds of verses start coming. And, and having all kinds of brand new meaning, like First John chapter 3 and verse 1. John's an old man. He's getting ready to kick the bucket. And, and this is what he says. What? we should be called the sons of God wow how awesome are you God Romans chapter 8 verses 18 and 19 I reckon that the suffering of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us for the earnest expectation of the creature waiteth For the manifestation of the sons of God. Philippians chapter 2 verses 14 through 16. Do all things without murmurings and disputings that you may be blameless and harmless. The sons of God without rebuke. Would you just get in your mind who God made you, and stop your sorry murmuring and complaining. (laughs) And wow, you talk about a special creation. Okay, remember we looked at Lucifer, and you remember I I very detailed went through all of these little things. Now watch watch this in that little chart. It's coming fast, y'all, okay? We looked at Lucifer, the special creation of God, Before his fall, and we saw that Lucifer sealed up the sum. Remember that? Colossians 2 10 says, And ye are complete in him. You know what God's letting us know? We seal up the sum now. As the sons of God that have the Son of God inhabiting us, we are complete. We seal up the sum. Lucifer was full of wisdom. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 1 through 16. The context here is the wisdom of God, and, and which he, he defines as the mind of Christ. And he comes through that entire chapter. He gets down to verse 16, and he says, but we have the mind of Christ. We are now full of wisdom. But Lucifer was perfect in beauty. And now Philippians chapter 3 and verse 15 says, "Let us, therefore, as many as be. How about this random little word? Perfect, be thus minded." First Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 6 says, "Howbeit we speak wisdom among them that are perfect." And you know what? Psalm 149 and verse 4 says, "Happens to us when he, when he saves us? It says he will beautify the meek with salvation. L- listen, y'all, we are now perfect in beauty. L- Lucifer was anointed by God, A- and now 1 John chapter 2 and verse 27 says, but the anointing which ye have received of him abideth on you. We are the anointed of God. We are the Christ-like ones. We are the Christians. Yeah. Lucifer had been created of beautiful jewels, and God show, chose him to shine forth the glory of God. First Peter chapter 2 and verse 9 says, But ye are a chosen generation that ye should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. You understand? We are the light bearers to radiate the glory of God throughout the universe. Lucifer had been created as musical instruments of praise to lead angelic hosts to praise God. And now Psalm 40 and verse 3 says, And he hath put a new song in my mouth, even praise unto our God. Many shall see it and fear and shall trust in the Lord. Listen, y'all, we are the instruments of praise now. Through the, the music and the song of our life, we are to lead others to worship God. think most Christians know anything about this y'all and listen as this special creation of God in this dispensation we have received a very special commission and it is this through the intimacy of our relationship with Christ as our husband not just listen to it. You know, 2 Corinthians 11 and verse 2 says, We've been espoused to him as our one husband. Through the intimacy of our relationship with Christ as our husband, we are allowed uh, to allow him to take his spiritual seed. Luke chapter 8 and verse 11 says, The seed is the word. 1 Peter 1.23 says, being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible by the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. We allow him to take his spiritual seed, which is the word of God, and through the womb of our life, we are to reproduce sons of God. On the earth who will glorify, love, and worship God. Listen, y'all. Do you understand it is the same exact commission that was given to Adam? Adam had the privilege of doing it through his physical seed. And now God wants to do it through his spiritual seed, through his bride. The second Adam and his bride through the womb of our life we reproduce sons of god on the earth that will love him and worship him and glorify him and don't you know that because of that satan is going to roll over (laughs) and and that's next satan's counter And, and i want you to notice first of all his agenda His agenda is to keep us from experiencing the intimacy of our relationship with Christ. You know what he has done with with Christians all over the world? He files them into buildings every week, and they dutifully go to Sunday school, some of them, and they go to church. And they're in a Bible study. They may even do discipleship. There's no intimacy. Lady goes to the, to the doc, and I, I don't want to be an idiot, but I, I think it bears an illustration. She goes to the doc and says, doc, I don't know what the deal is, man. We can't seem to have kids. Doc says, well, h- how often do you share intimacy with your husband? Oh, well, we never do that. Oh, okay, well, this could be your problem. (laughs) Listen, when we, as the bride of Christ, allow him to take that spiritual seed and we share intimacy with him, the result of that is going to be sons of God that are born into this world. Next, his agenda is to keep the word of God from getting into us. This, this, this may be old hat for you. But the key is not you getting into the word of God. There's all kinds of people that do that. Check. They get into the word of God every day. The key The word of God getting in you. It's the seed. This is how we bear the fruit of souls that are called the sons of God. His attack, how does he do it? Keep us earthbound. Just keep us focused. Everything that we see around us when Colossians chapter 3 and verse 1 says, listen, now that you've been risen with Christ, in other words, now that you're saved, hey, seek the things which are above and set your affection on those things, not on things of the earth. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6 verses 19 and 20, hey man, don't get caught up with things that Russ can or moths can eat and rust can corrupt and thieves can break through and steal don't get caught up with your clothes don't get caught up with your cars don't get caught up with your cribs you got to alliterate it if you're a Christian you know (laughs) but lay up treasures in heaven where moth and rust can't corrupt and thieves can't break through and steal 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and 8, verse 18. This is why Paul was so effective. He says, man, it's because of where I'm looking. I'm not looking at all this stuff that I can see with my earthly eyes, man. All this is the temporal stuff. Man, I'm focused on the eternal things that you can only see through the eyes of faith. But as long as Christians are thinking about what I'm gonna wear and what I'm gonna drive and my big old fat house. Okay. Ain't going to happen. And then next, to keep us busy with lesser causes. My time is shot. Wish I had time to talk about the fact that our citizenship, y'all, is in heaven. I'm... I, I, I'm, I'm really thankful to be born an American, but I'm, I'm telling you, I'm not going to spend the rest of my life in all the political crap. Two syllables. But I don't feel strongly about any of that. But, but uh, pick, pick your poison. of, of What are you going to throw your life at? when we've been given the privilege of all privileges. Okay, and the aftermath is this. The mission of reproducing sons of God is not fulfilled because we're dinking around with all of this earthly stuff. We're dinking around with all of these causes that build our little kingdom. Packing up. <laughs> and you remember, we're talking about Adam. How in the world are you doing this, dude? How did you squander that privilege? <laughs> it's the same exact thing, y'all. That we can replenish the earth with a race of beings that are called the sons of God who will love him and worship him and glorify him and listen y'all I called this the biblical mandate of discipleship I, 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 I told you that I, I felt like this is what actually motivates discipleship. We're all going to leave here in two days. It's, we're halfway through the conference right now. And we're all going to you know, get to our churches and to our cities and get back to real life. <laughs> For us to To know how we fit in history with the plan of God and squander that privilege. Shame on us at the judgment seat of Christ. And Lord, will you please help us to. Comprehend why we're here. Why you left us here. And I pray, Lord, that by the Spirit of God, through the Word of God, that you will motivate us for the rest of our lives to spend our lives seeing sons of God reproduced on this earth seeing them grow to maturity so that they can truly love and worship and glorify God.